The Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Mike Page, Logan Brand, Jack Wright, and Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the Bear Down Report Podcast. We're going to talk about the Packers game and how it went. We've got a lot of awful things to say about our beloved Chicago Bears. As usual, folks, we've got Jack Wright. We've got Logan Bradley. We've got Mike Page. I'm Ryan Dengel. We're going to go ahead and get started right away, folks. We're going to throw right into it. We have our NFL insider, Kevin Olefsky, uh going to tell us a little bit about what was going on in the NFL and what's going on uh, this evening as we record on Monday night. Kevin, what's going on around the NFL? Well, the first thing I want to bring up is the fact that the Steelers and Ravens bout is rescheduled a third time. Not once, not twice, but a third time. This game is originally scheduled for Thanksgiving Day, but it has been moved reportedly because there's been around 20 Ravens players who have been put on the reserve COVID-19 list. So for those of you who don't know what that list is, it's basically being put for players who have either been tested positive for COVID-19 or have been quarantining because they've been in close contact with an infected person. Um, The current, and this is really up to date, this could uh, very well change, the current time slot is Wednesday of this week at 2.40 Central Time, which is just boggles the mind. We'll see if that changes, though. Um, 49ers improved to 5-6 and six with a close win against the Rams. Robbie Gold, of course, you all know his name, uh, wins it for San Fran in the last moments of the game, 23-20 over those Rams. Um, All kind of fingers point to Jared Goff as being the main reason why the Rams fell short. He had one fumble and two INTs thrown. One was returned for a touchdown. Um, On the other side, though, Jimmy Garoppolo obviously still not playing because of a high ankle sprain. He's missed most of the two out of the last three seasons. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him during the offseason or if he comes back towards the end of this year. The Browns, 8-2, and two, fend off the 1-9 Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, it's obviously uh, there's no easy games in the NFL unless it gets, it's against the Jets, of course, um, because it was a close one. Baker Mayfield um, was 19-29 for 258 passing yards with two TDs, one of which going to Jarvis Landry. He also had an awesome day with eight receptions, 143 receiving yards. Nick Chubb, 144 rushing yards with two TDs on 19 carries. But, man, look at those, that Browns football team. Remember when they had Johnny Football? Remember when he was the talk of the town? Isn't that a crazy, crazy turnaround for them? Tom Brady defeated the reigning Super Bowl chance, uh, champs. That, sorry, was defeated by the Kansas City Chiefs 24-27. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, who were at 1.1-7, uh, uh, put up 43 points against the six and f- five Las Vegas Raiders. An amazing game for them. And the Saints are still on top of the NFC North or the NFC Conference as they uh, rise to nine and two after beating up on the Broncos, who uh, really just need a lot of help right now, COVID included. Uh, getting around to the NFC North, of course, the Lions. Big news for them: they fired their head coach Matt Patricia and their GM Bob Quinn. After a bad loss, 25-47 to 47 against Houston, Deshaun Watson has an awesome day, going 17 for 25, passing attempts with 318 passing yards and four passing TDs. 
Compare that to Matt Stafford, who went 28 for uh, 42 with 259 passing yards and one TD, one interception. I mean, man, you got to think about what Stafford's really thinking. What I mean, his whole career, he's been in a place where he hasn't been able to shine as much as he probably could. It's been a rough go for him, but hopefully he gets, you know, a coaching staff and a front office that can help him out a little bit more. And I will end, though, I will end with some amazing news out of uh, the Vikings camp. Quite simply, I'll say, that, I'll, I'll say it this way. The Carolina coaching staff lost this game for the Panthers. They simply lost it against the Vikings. Because basically what you had was you had a start of the second half where the Vikings are ahead. There are two turnovers, two turnovers committed by the Vikings that both go for touchdowns. It is insane. I'm watching this. I watched the Vikings dissolve in my eye. It was, it was insane. It was so frustrating. But guess what? In the last minutes of the game, Chad Beebe, an NIU grad, muffs a punt for the Vikings. He muffs it while they're trailing 21-24. But then guess what? The Vikings somehow drive down the field and score a touchdown with Chad Beebe to win the game. And there's nothing else I can say about that. I am a happy camper, although I wanted to barf at the end of it. So, so Kevin, I just – I don't think our fans know. Uh, who, who, who do you root for? Like, who's your NFL team? I, I just – I don't think any of us can tell right uh, now. The purple <laughs> Peter Peters are right there. So, we are excited. Kev is uh, going to step in and help uh, out with our uh, Lions – Bears preview coming up this week. So, Kevin, are you excited to talk about the Detroit Lions? I, I am. I, again, like I said, I really like Matt Stafford. I really like their new running back, Swift, that they brought in. Um, there's obviously, you know, a lot of things that they got to fix. But, I really, again, I really like Matt Stafford, so I love to talk about him. Dan, Dave, and Don Beebe all went to Kalen High School, where yours truly, uh, Bear Down Report, Jack Wright went to. They're great guys and all fast and all, all amazing athletes. When I was one quick, quick story, when I was in high school, uh, Don Beebe was playing for the Buffalo Bills and they had won the AFC championship. So he came back to our uh, high school football camp and brought his AFC championship ring, brought his helmets. And I mean, can you just imagine how excited, like as little kids, we all were to, to see that, you know, he was a legend, you know, that track down of Leon Lett, all of it. It was, it was really cool. So uh, it's cool to see his son doing so well. Well, th- that's the thing. It, 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 he's obviously an amazing athlete, but really an amazing football player because to go straight from muffing a punt, you basically lost your, your team's opportunity to win the game. And then the very next drive being a part of the reason why you actually pull it out. That's, that's amazing sports right there. That's the redemption story we wish Mitch Trubisky had last night. And with that, Kevin, thank you so much again for being on our NFL Insider. Looking forward to talking Lions with you a little bit uh, later this week. All right. So, folks, I don't think it is a real shocker. I think at this point you've all seen a score. Uh, It wasn't pretty out there. 41 to 25. The Bears lose badly. Many would say that it really was garbage time that really – Uh, made the score look better than it was. 
what we're going to do here, folks, is we're going to go around the horn. We're going to talk about uh, what we thought were the, the keys to the, this loss, why, you know, why we think it happened the way that it did, and really going forward, what is, what's next for this Bears organization? There's a lot to talk about. Who is culpable for this awful run that the Bears are on right now? Started five and one, now they're five and six. To lose five in a row, it hurts a lot. Now, gentlemen, I don't know about you guys, but if there was something specific, that the, the one thing that was absolutely maddening to me, you give the ball to David Montgomery. He rushes for 57 yards. The Packers have been awful, right? All season long, uh, stopping the, the, the run. Ross Kotzma, our Packers insider, talked about it. And two plays later, you give the ball back to Cordero Patterson in a run game. It's maddening. I, I, I'm to the point, you can hear it in my voice, folks. I am so frustrated with this offense. And Matt Nagy's just bullheadedness to, to think that Cordero Patterson is a running back. If you've looked at his yards per carry, he's not. He's not a running back, yet they still continue to try to do it. I'm sorry, folks. I'm fired up about this one. This one was a really, really, really tough loss. Are you, you're forgetting that Bill Belichick once used Cordero Patterson successfully as a running back, so we need to continue to do that, right? That's how it works. Yes. It worked many, one time. How many carries did Cordero even get yesterday? Three, four carries? Well, okay, so that's, that's a, going back to that point, Mike, right? That's a – uh, Montgomery had 11 carries. He had over 100 yards on 11 carries. He had 37 uh, receiving yards and a touchdown. And you're, you're not giving this dude the ball? As soon as Matt Nagy has this window to say, ooh, I should throw the ball, that's all he wants to do, and that's all he's going to do. Well, he was forced to throw the ball, Ryan. I mean, they were down so many points that the game just got away from him. You know, they're throwing Mitch out there, uh, throwing desperate passes uh, beyond 15 yards, which that is not Mitchell's game, by the way. He is pretty good up to that 10 to 15 yard mark. But as soon as he's throwing beyond that, uh, he's garbage. And the Bears were forced to do that yesterday based on uh, the defense. You know, Nagy kind of threw the defense under the bus a little bit in his, in his post-game conference, and rightfully so, um, because they, they really screwed the pooch. And it's not just the players either. It was, it was Coach Pagano. But I would argue that the most important aspect of the game yesterday was someone that wasn't even there, and it was Akeem Hicks. By far, um, you know, clearly the most important person, the most important player on this team. And I feel like I just can't help but, but feel like Green Bay would have been stifled on that first drive and the game would have played out entirely different. You could see almost immediately what was happening when the Packers got the ball that first drive that they had because they ran the ball straight up the middle with Aaron Jones. And I don't know how many times did that probably only like two, three, four times, but every time they did it, it was six, seven yards minimum a clip. And from that point on, 
there's sometimes when you watch a game and you just know that a game is over within that first drive. And there was just, if, I mean, if your defense isn't working and the, let alone the interior of your defense isn't working, obviously because you're missing that one guy, you're just going to have no chance because if you can't do that, you're definitely not going to stop Aaron Rodgers. So, so Jack and I were actually texting about this back and forth. It, it, Akeem Hicks out. I mean, he's the heart of the defense. There's, there's no two questions about it. The other guy, right, thinking that Jack and I were talking about this is Eddie Goldman. Could you imagine how things would have progressed differently if both Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks were playing in that game last night? I think, you know, that was so true, you know, thanks to our, uh, our founder, uh, Michael Page. We've now got the access to watch uh, the All-22. And, and just in the, in the couple of moments that we had prior to the show, I spent a little time watching number 94, Robert Quinn, because it was so clearly obvious on that first drive that they were gashing us up the middle. So I was trying to get a sense, you know, to what extent he was culpable, right? And so, I mean, not only are you losing – you know, a Pro Bowl caliber run stopper. And not only are you short Eddie Goldman, you're putting a guy in who, I don't, he's just not very good. Uh, he's not quick off the line. He's playing your three technique tackle, right? So in a, in a, in a basic four-man front, uh, you know, uh, on either side of the center, there's an A gap. You move down between the guard and the tackle, there's a B gap. So to be a three technique tackle, you're lining up on the outside shoulder, of the left or right guard. It's an important position, especially when you're talking, playing a four-man front and trying to stop the run. The other gaps are going to be, you know, uh, linebacker gaps in most instances. Early on in the game, I think part of this was because the defensive call was the slant right. The entire defense slants right, and the Green Bay offense is running a zone play right? So it's really easy for them to block the defensive line because all the offensive line is told to do is just get on their hip and run them in the direction that they're going. So that's what they did. And Jones uh, easily found a crease and, and, and easily went up. But, you know, you talk about guys that we've seen that play D-line who are high intensity, who are physical, whose motors don't stop. You hear at nauseum, you hear announcers say that. That's not, that's not, that's not Quinn. I mean, he's not at all. He's leaning on guys. He, I didn't see him spin. I didn't see him rip. I didn't see him try to get off a block in any. He, he's not just kind of bad, guys. He's bad, bad. Well, Jack, think that and his contract, you put the two things together, and it hurts so bad. I thought he played a decent game at linebacker, but at pass rusher, non-existent. Right, And that's the same reason that Leonard Floyd left Chicago. He was an okay outside linebacker, but he wasn't a pass rusher. This year, obviously, he's getting it done, right? But it's not, it's not there anymore. Can anybody tell me how many games now Robert Quinn has gone without recording a sack? That would be seven, Logan, uh, which I believe ties his career record. It's eight. Oh. Yep. He, he one-upped you there. It, it has tied his career record. He's done that um, three times his rookie year, his fourth year, and then 2017, his first year with Miami, and now he's doing it in Chicago. I was so excited when they picked him up, coming off the year that he was coming off, thinking finally someone on the other side of Khalil Mack 
is going to rush the passer. My buddy Rob and I were talking back and forth all about, he's like, this is going to be it. This is going to be the year. This defense is going to be so mean, but going back to Mike, what you were talking about earlier, Chuck Pagano is not a good defensive coordinator. He's got amazing talent, but he's not a good defensive coordinator. This team misses Vic Fangio so bad. I would agree. I was a little surprised that when you take into consideration the ranking of the defense, which we think has been the strength of the team, and it has been a strength of the team, but just watching that first drive, for instance, um, again, from the all 22, both from you know, the end zone and from the 50-yard you know, line, I was a little shocked at the, the breakdowns. I mean, it really was the combination of the Packers just being better disciplined, more physical, and more talented. But beyond that, you can be responsible for yourself. We always talk in defense, it's, it's, it's assignment and alignment. And I was really surprised at the amount of times. This is exactly to your point, Ryan, in terms of Pagano. He's the guy that's responsible for assignment and alignment. Where am I supposed to line up and what's my job? And, and when you go through and you watch all 11 guys on a single play, it was a little surprising to me, especially on that first drive, the amount of errors there were. Mike, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It actually hurts my heart a little bit to say this. You're right about Eddie Jackson. I've been looking at this. 2018, that dude was the best safety in all of football. It wasn't close. However, 2019 and 2020, that dude has missed tackles. He's been all over the place. Think about this. If this was a contract year for him, would you be bending over backwards to sign that guy right now? No, absolutely not. He got torched by like a 300-pound tight end for a touchdown, right? Well, everybody got torched. I, I want to know Chuck Pagano putting Danny Trevathan covering Devontae Adams. What? Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn was covering Devontae Adams for a play last night. Yeah, that was that three-man rush. Like, <laughs> three-man rush with you know Aaron Rodgers having 12 seconds to throw the ball. Of course they're going to score a touchdown. That play was amazing, and I sent you guys the breakdown of Aaron Rodgers talking about the progression. He saw that they dropped eight, that there was going to be a three-man rush, and you guys are exactly right. I watched it. I watched it to the point where I started laughing because Robert Quinn is standing. Um, he's standing on the line, right, stand up as a D lineman, and then he drops back. Now, if they're going to drop eight, they're going to be in zone, right? Well, somehow or another, Adams crosses his face. He tries to run with him. <laughs> he tries to run with Devontae Adams. He gets almost all the way spun around. He's not even supposed to lock in man, really. He probably had like the underneath routes, right, where the free safeties and the, you know, the other DBs had the, the end zone routes. Adams, it, it was, talk about embarrassing, it, just watching him and why he was in that position, you know, and you talked about Trevathan either. Why are those guys in those positions? That, that really is, I think, really poor matchup and poor coaching. Jack, I want to ask you, because I know you've coached football, uh, why wouldn't you put Kyle Fuller or Jalen Johnson on Devontae Adams all night? Just, just spy them. I mean, you literally have two of the best cornerbacks in the NFL and you don't put them on the world beater, Devontae Adams. I mean, that dude is one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in the game. It's a right great now. question. And I'm not in the room, so I don't know exactly the game plan. 
Ultimately, though, if you do that, then you're taking him out of his corner position because, as they talked about, again, doesn't it seem that they always talk about things at nauseum on the, on the national broadcast? They're trying to get him in the slot. You know? So if you put him in the slot, does that mean that you're going to take one of your, you know, your two top-tier corners and essentially you know, put them out of position, put them out of a comfort zone? But your point is still a valid one because they could have taken somebody. I don't know, screen uh, or they – I mean, maybe, maybe not screen. They could have taken um, Jackson and just at the very least, Ryan, you shadow somebody over the top of him. You put somebody on him and then you always double cover over the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, screen uh, was the bears leading tackler yesterday. Uh, 10 tackles. That's because everybody he was covering caught the ball and he had to tackle them. Uh, guess how many solo tackles Roquan Smith had yesterday? Was it any? I, I... Zero. Roquan Smith wow. had zero solo tackles yesterday. He had five assists, but zero solo tackles. And this just goes to show again, the importance of Akeem Hicks because the offensive line can now spend less time double-teaming Hicks uh, and then move their assignment to then Roquan. And that's what LeFleur did. LeFleur game-planned for Roquan Smith and just embarrassed the Bears' defense because the two uh, interior linemen – Really, it was three, but the the interior linemen that were replacing Hicks were uh, John Jenkins, uh, Brett Urban, and Mario Edwards. And I didn't see a whole lot of Edwards, but what I did see from Jenkins and Urban yesterday, who has had a great season up to this point, but both of those dudes were getting pushed around. The offensive linemen can just pop them really quick and then they'd move up to that second level and Roquan was just um, neutralized throughout the whole game. And it was so sad to see because as you know, one of the things that we're doing as really depressed bears fans is to watch our favorite players play. And when Roquan isn't even getting any tackles, that just makes the experience just so much worse. You're right. Absolutely right. That he was, it was easily his worst game. And I think you're dead spot on that. They decided if they're going to take the best defender out of the game, it's going to be Roquan, you know, a couple weeks ago when they played the Rams, when the bears played the Rams, there was so much discussion discussion about the fly motion, constant discussion, again, fly motion, fly motion. And I was a little sick of it, and I thought it was a little gimmicky. But then as I was, again, watching this first drive, the fly motion jacked the Bears up so bad. Uh, they would fly motion, and then, you know, they would go ahead and zone block to the, to the opposite direction of the fly motion. There was one instance where Trevathian pointed to Roquan like a millisecond before the play was about to go off, and he was saying, hey, you're on the wrong side. And they switched right before the snap, and then he just got washed down into the play. So there seemed to be some confusion, and there also seemed to be, like you said, Mike, I think really well, uh, you know, a specific game plan to, to neutralize him, and they did. And they were actually even double-teaming at times, you know, our not-so-good defensive linemen, which would tell you that that would allow our linebackers to run free, and they weren't. 
Well, it's really amazing to, to, to watch that Packers offensive line because it's just something that we've missed, uh, especially this year and last year too. In fact, I can't even remember uh, a good offensive line, a really good offensive line that the Bears have had, uh, maybe back in the John Tate left tackle era. But um I mean, it's, it's fun. It wasn't fun for me, but it is fun to watch good offensive line play where they are organized. They are attacking and physical and they're moving to the next level. And the Packers have had this offensive line that's been so good forever. I feels like, and it's just another thing that the Packers have against and over the bears is both a quarterback for the last 30 years and a stellar offensive line. It's really obnoxious. It's weird because those are two positions that are very readily available in the national football league draft every single year. And over the last decade, the Chicago bears have taken an offensive tackle within the first four rounds of the draft. Never, never in the last decade. So it just seems like such an, a simple explanation. Obviously, it's not going to solve all your problems. There's been plenty of busts that the Bears have, you know, been very keen to. But it just seems like when you have things like that and then you say we haven't seen an offensive line in so many years, it seems so self-explanatory. Instead of drafting a Cole Komet, who I barely remember that guy's name because I've seen him so few times this year. I write out notes before this, and I wrote so many, just a lot of F-bombs in the line that I was talking about Cole Komet because we just never see him at all. And I get it because you have no way of getting him the ball, but, man, you got to open your eyes and maybe build through the trenches. That's not just a saying. That's a thing that works. Build through the defensive line, which we've done, and then you can't neglect the offensive line. It has to go both ways, and they just haven't done that. And it's so clearly obvious, especially now. I and mean, perhaps hindsight's a little bit 2020, but I mean, if you circle all the way back around, Ryan, to your original beef with, you know, Cordero Patterson running the ball, well, think about the running back room for a minute. You got Monty, who's a pretty good running back, but is struggling. And, you know, we've talked about Monty. We don't want to talk about him again. But, but then where do you go after that once Tariq Cohen gets hurt? Were you okay going into the beginning of the year with that running back room, with that quarterback room, and with that offensive line room? And, and it's so glaringly obvious. I'm so proud of my, my 13-year-old daughter. We've been playing Madden more. She always picks KC. Then she proceeded to watch KC on TV. And she's like, Dad, all the guys that I throw to in Madden are like the best guys on – you know, she's throwing to Kelsey and she's throwing to, you know, to Tyreek. Again, I was so proud of her. Then she went home and she watched the Bears. My 13-year-old daughter can see the difference between the weapons that a team like Kansas City has, the depth. Not just one running back, but two, right? And maybe even a third if one of them get hurt. I mean, we're going to talk about pace, I'm sure, but think about the cupboard for a minute, and think about the deficiencies that exist there. What, what are you supposed to do on offense with that when a 13-year-old girl who plays soccer can see the, the deficiencies of an offense compared to a Kansas City Chiefs juggernaut? Peyton, is a, she's a smart girl. There's no two ways about that. Uh, we'll talk about Ryan Pace down the way. You signed Lamar Miller. And Artavius Pierce, 
looked okay in the few uh, carries that he's had so far this season. But you still go back to Cordero Patterson. All right, I'm done talking about it. Uh, the last thing that I want to say, I want to hear your guys' thoughts if you have anything to say. Matt LaFleur was calling deep bombs and fourth down conversion plays while the Packers were up 41-17. I thought that was not real classy. And that's one of those things that teams kind of remember. Am I blowing this one out of proportion or uh, did you guys feel the same way about it? This for me is sort of in the same vein as Fernando Tatis Jr. When he earlier this year, it was like the eighth inning of some game and the Padres were up seven, eight runs. I think it was. And he had a three and zero count with the bases loaded I think that was the situation, and he hit a grand slam. And I think wasn't the whole controversy around that surrounding that he should have taken that 3-0 pitch. I'm correct there, right? Yeah. Um, but it, that, that gives me the same sort of feel. It's like no lead in the NFL is safe within like a 30-point reasonable margin. And especially if you're in that heated rivalry of a Packers-Bears game, I just cannot begin to fault him for doing that. Score more points. Like, and, and guess what, Bears, if you don't want him to score points, do something about it, Chuck Pagano. Do something about it, Eddie Jackson. Do something about it, everybody on the field at that time, because you look pathetic. You look absolutely pathetic, and everybody on the field knew it. The coaches knew it afterwards. Stop them if you want to. Otherwise, I'm not saying this to you, but just shut up, and, and they can do whatever they want. They can pass the ball if they want, score more points, stop them. Yeah, I completely agree with Logan. I, I don't have any problem with them running that fourth down play, especially considering that they did let off the gas. That game, I mean, if Aaron really wanted to and LaFleur really wanted to, they could have pumped up the score even more. And they definitely did take the foot off the gas a little bit. And Yeah, I mean, they were on the, what, 20, 30 yard line and it was fourth down it just makes sense fourth and one uh it just makes sense to just hand the ball off just run it they the bears can't stop the run every single play when it was a run up the middle the running back got at least three yards so just it it just makes sense and i feel like aaron Rodgers could have definitely torched the bears for even more points and uh, he let off the gas a bit. Well, I think it was, it's part of what it fuels the rivalry, right? I mean, that's the type of thing that it, that ought to, you know, you ought to throw up in your mouth a little bit and you ought to be a little irked when LaFleur is chucking the ball deep at the end of the game, seemingly trying to run up the score. And I certainly hope that the Bears organization was upset. I certainly hope that the players on the field were upset. I know that if I, was, if I had been on the opposing sidelines, uh, to say that I would have been livid would be an understatement. Now, your guys' points are valid. I, I, I really can't even undermine them. I'm speaking mainly to the point of like sheer emotion when the score is what it was and you and the other team decides to begin airing, airing it out on you. Um, it, it is a very clear message. 
it's a direct slap in the face. And bo- oh, by the way, you know, at the end of the game, Rodgers was sure to point out that Sunday's victory was the Packers' 100th over the Bears in the historic rivalry, giving them a five-game lead in the series uh, that was once tilted heavily in the Bears' favor uh, before Favre and Rodgers. That's from the Tribune and Matt Weederer. I mean, Rodgers gets it. You know, Lovey Smith gets it. <laughs> it's supposed to be a stinging rivalry for crying out loud. It's, it's not, Jack. And that's the part when I asked our Packers insider Ross Kotsma about this, he said, of course, it's a rivalry. But then the way he answered it, and, and, and Ross is a great guy, and I'm not, this is not a knock on him in any way, shape, or form. He's like, could you imagine if we lost to the Bears? And then it sunk in. That's how I feel about the Lions. When the Bears lose to the Lions, that's how you know we're in a really bad spot because it's not a rivalry. They have now won 18 of the last 21 meetings. That's not a rivalry. You have to win games for it to be a rivalry. It's not. They, they look at, at, at the Bears as a joke. And last night, they were a joke. It sucks. I'm a diehard Bears fan. You guys are diehard Bears fans. The people that are listening are diehard Bears fans. This one hurt. There's been a lot of, a lot of Bears-Packer games that have truly like caused me to, to, to be upset for a much longer time than I should over a game. Like the Chris Conti game is the one that comes to mind more than anything else, right? But this was, this was different. This was watching this and just going... We have no business comparing the Chicago Bears to the Green Bay Packers. They're not in the same league. It's not even a little bit close. Yeah, and you, you talk about that anger that you feel as a football fan. And honestly, I wasn't even feeling that last night. I was feeling it's the, the worst feeling you could possibly have of a fan of a football team is to just not care. And there was a point last night in like the – I mean, it almost started in the second quarter, but definitely in the second half. I just didn't care. It was just like, what am I? I just like watched the same thing over and over again. I've been mad at the same thing over and over again. And I look at me. I'm the young, spry one of the bunch here. And I'm, I'm saying that I'm tired of this. This is, you know, not good. Uncle Logan makes a great point. All right, gentlemen, let's talk about Matt Nagy. He had some interesting words to say during his press conference today basically saying that it was embarrassing and that people need to hold themselves accountable. Uh, A couple people watching this kind of looked at it, kind of turned their head cross-eyed and said, what you're telling us this, this just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm going to throw some stats out to you guys. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. Matt Nagy in his three years coaching the Chicago bears is 0 and three coming out of a bye week He's one in six Anytime there has been more than a seven-day turnaround. That's awful. Agreed. I mean, it, it really is. And I think when it comes down to it, Ryan, it has to do with the fine details. I think two of my, my favorite you know, quotes, and again, in the time that I did coach, were you know, discipline isn't a sometimes thing. It's an all-time thing. And you know, uh, they once asked you know, the great Don Shula, uh, the press, you know, uh, you know, asked him, hey, why do you spend so much time on the, on the little details? And his response, there's no such thing as a little detail. So when you're in the business that these guys are in, you have to be disciplined. And so I guess just to, I'm just going to hang one, you know, other stat out there just to prove my point. 
and it's 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 penalties. You know, they're sixth in the league. Uh, you know, in terms of penalties, uh, Arizona's first, then Buffalo, then Carolina, then KC, then the Jets, then Chicago. Um, you know, for instance, uh, they have 12 false starts. F- false starts are a sure sign. Uh, a dead fish stinks from the head down, right? So if you want to know who to blame for those penalties, you're talking about discipline as an all-time thing. What's the practice demeanor like? What, what is it that we're expecting? Again, you think of a guy like Tom Brady who would incentivize interceptions during practice by offering money to the DBs. Everything's competition. You know, you think about Jordan, you think about Brady, you think about Manning, and how everybody said those guys were jerk faces because they were such combative, com, you know, competitors. I'm, I'm not sure if that, that level of competitiveness is in our team, and I'm not sure if that level of discipline that's needed is in the team. Maybe, maybe Matt Nagy likes to be liked more than he likes to be respected. That could be a problem. Yeah. Do you know what? Lou Pinella, when he was, when he was uh, managing the Cubs, said, you know what's, what's wrong with the city is that all the fans want to like their players and their coaches. And Matt Nagy at least endeared himself to me. I've talked numerous time, times about how I like him. He's a likable dude. I enjoy uh, watching him in postgame uh, press conferences. I enjoy seeing him give winks to players on the sideline. He is very charismatic, very likable. And I like that in a coach. And maybe that is – a big problem and that maybe we should just stop thinking that way and not care whether or not we like someone and just have them get the job done. But Matt does kind of remind me of kind of like a player's coach that kind of puts the responsibility on the players, right? Be you go do your own thing. And in the, in the post game press conference, he was questioning his players doing those extra, uh, those extra things after practice, right? He's like, are you guys staying after practice, practice and hitting the jugs machines? Are you uh, going home and studying the playbook? And he was questioning that extra effort. Uh, not just, he says from, you know, basically from nine to five, these players are great, but you know, he's not motivating them enough to have them be willing to do the extra work to get those fine details ironed out, just like what Jack was saying. I, I got to think that if he's back next year, he's a lucky guy. If he's not, where's he going to go? He's no team in the NFL is going to hire him as the offensive coordinator. You led one of the worst NFL offenses over three year span. It was terrible. You were really, really bad at it. The only thing that I could possibly see is him taking on a college football coaching position. And in that, I think all the BU stuff, all of that would be really, really, really good. I think you're really, really overestimating the NFL, each NFL team's ability to hire coaches because holy crap, if you look through some of these degenerates that have continually gone from getting head coaching jobs where they sucked 
to immediately being a coordinator again, it's unbelievable. Um, I, I think he 100% will get a coordinator job in the NFL strictly based off of the fact that people are going to lay it out. I don't know if he's going to get fired um, after the season, uh, but when you lay it out, his whole tenure with the Bears, he's had a bottom 10 offensive line, probably bottom five, bottom five in, in terms of just like skill positions, wide receivers, running backs, uh, tight ends, and he's had terrible quarterbacks. So I think when people lay that out, they're going to go, well, he was given nothing by Ryan Pace. Let's just, he, 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 had, he proved himself Kansas City. Let's give him a second chance because it's hard to find people who even have his track record of offensive success. Obviously not recently, but in the past. Logan, I want to ask you, who is most responsible for this year's offense being terrible? Is it Matt Nagy? Is it Ryan Pace? Or is it the roster? I really think since last week, I switched from it being – last week, if you would have asked me this question, I think I would have said Matt Nagy. And this week now, I think I've flipped to Ryan Pace just because of literally exactly what I just laid out. He, Ryan Pace has whiffed on so many draft picks offensively. Like, yeah, he's, he's hit defensively on a couple, and he's hit offensively here and there. But for the most part, it's probably been a 80 to 90% swing and miss rate when it comes to drafting offense, really when it comes to just acquiring offense in general, Nick Foles. Um, I mean, obviously there's more examples than that, Mike Lennon. Um, but yeah, now I, I put this on Ryan Pace. I think maybe there's another team that Matt Nagy could be the coach of and be a successful head coach. We've been waiting to talk about this all night. Ryan Pace, thinking about how bad the 2019 Chicago Bears offense was, 29th overall. He drafted a lot of defensive players. He brought in big money Robert Quinn. And sure, he should sign Jimmy Graham. As much as I could make fun of Jimmy Graham, five touchdowns from your tight end, which before this week started, that was seventh best of tight ends in the NFL. That's not bad. He has left the cupboard bare. Jack, you've talked about it a lot. Is he the biggest problem with the Chicago Bears right now? He's not. He's, he's the symptom of the problem for sure. But, and I don't disagree with, with what Logan said. However, I would say, Ryan, when you got hired to be the gymnastics coach, you know, did the athletic director and the principal or the superintendent say, you know, we're going to give Ryan the full freedom to be able to hire his assistants, but then not give you that full freedom? Were they in your kitchen all the time? Were they in your ear all the time? And let's say that they weren't and they aren't gymnastics people. What position does that put you in? I mean, both McCaskey and Ted Phillips will tell you they aren't football people. But when they re-upped on Ryan Pace, did they get out of the way and let him do his job? They did not. They did not. Ted Phillips is mainly good at making money. And this has been talked about for years and years. And it's it's true. It's just true. He sent, a, he sent out a letter to the ticket holders after last season saying ultimately that the job that the Bears did wasn't good enough. They're eight and eight. Then he proceeds to not fire anybody. The Nagy staff clandestinely 
fired a couple folks like right after the last game under the radar, nobody in upper management, nobody, no other heads rolled. And then what does he do later in the letter? I know you can guess it. Hey, BT dubs, ticket prices are going up next year. I mean, I know I said it last week and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be redundant, but there's a real problem organizationally. If you can't get those cooks out of the kitchen, if you can't get two guys who are admit out loud, admit they aren't football guys, McCaskey and Phillips say they aren't football guys, then what are they doing? What are they doing manipulating Ryan Pace's decision to hire head coaches or to draft or to do anything else? They need to get out of the way. I was thinking about this a lot today, Jack, because we've talked about this endlessly. Ted Phillips, what's he still doing here? Now, he's going to look at the McCaskies and say, I brought you Lovey Smith. I, I helped bring you Matt Nagy. But you also brought us Phil Emery. You also brought us Mark Tressman and John Fox. Right? These are not good football decisions. And so it's going to be really tough because the McCaskies and Ted Phillips are super close. They're friends. It maybe even goes beyond that. So it's going to be very hard for the McCaskies to say, hey, Ted, you're not good at this. It's time to stop doing it. Now, Mike, there is a name that I brought up earlier today, and I'm curious to know what you would think about if this man came in and said, hey, I want to help be your director of football operations. I'm not the first person to suggest it, but I, I heard David Kaplan talk about it earlier today. That's a name that honestly, it makes a lot of sense to me. You know who I'm talking about, right, Mike? I do. And it's not the craziest name in the world. I find it, you know, very intriguing. But before we even get to a name to kind of uh, take over for, for Pace, you know, the entire structure, leadership structure needs to change. Just like what Jack was saying. Ted Phillips needs a complete cut off from all football operations. And that means that you need to pair him with an equally powerful person that completely runs the football side of things. Because as of right now, Ted Phillips is Ryan Pace's boss. And that is not acceptable moving forward. We need a Theo Epstein situation where uh, a president of football operations can come in can hire the GM who can hire the coach and so forth. That's what we need to do. If the McCaskies aren't going to sell the team. Now, many people would say that the McCaskies just need to sell it and, and be done with that. Jack being, being one of these people, but um, the structure needs, needs to absolutely change. And anyway, back to the Wait, name. Can I just really quickly to go, oh, no, yeah. to validate both of your points. I mean, and you mentioned it just a minute ago, Ryan. So, so in 2015, he outsources his own job, Ted Phillips, his own job. And he goes and he gets Ernie Accorsi to, to do the job for him, right. To, to hire a new GM and a new head coach. So if, if he's not telling you right there, I'm not good enough to do the job that I'm supposed to do, then I don't know what else you need to know. So I would love to hear who you guys think should be uh, in their places. Cause I, I guess the reason I think that they should sell it is because 
I think a lot of there, – there is loyalty and there is family. We do see that across the league in certain instances. But I think something that, like, we don't realize because we're all, like, teachers and givers and writers and we, I don't think we, we don't see the cutthroat side of this. I think you need some a-holes. I think you need some business people. I think you need some people who are experts in their fields who aren't afraid to, 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 to break some hearts. The only thing I'll say to that, Jack, is the McCaskies don't want to be embarrassed. That's the reason they, there were a lot of people that said it happened. When Tressman lost big against the Packers, they said that's it. We're not going to do it right now because that's not what the McCaskies do, but he's done. He's gone. We don't want to get embarrassed on national television, and we especially don't want to get embarrassed on national television against the Green Bay Packers. That's why part of me is thinking the McCaskies are not happy. Virginia was at the game last night, and it's very clear they don't like this one bit. No, was that the year that that, uh, the Bears – lost back-to-back 50-point games. I think it was the Patriots and then a bye week and then the Packers, or maybe it was flipped. But I remember that and and thinking this was one of the worst stretches of Bears football I've I've ever seen for sure. So was that was that the year that Lamar Houston tore his ACL celebrating a sack down like 40 points? Now that is just had to point that out. I'm sorry that I just remembered that and that needed to be pointed out. He wasn't a very good player for the no, Bears either. No, he wasn't. Terrible. All right, so, so Mike, this name. Th- this is a guy that, I, that I've thought a lot about because he has stayed involved with football in some way, shape, or form through NFL films, through a whole bunch of other things. And I get the feeling that he would want a position like this. Yeah, it's – it's Peyton Manning, guys. It's Peyton Manning. You know, it was rumored that Peyton was hanging around Bears training camp this past year. Yeah, I don't know if you heard that. It, uh, he's been kind of involved with, with Bears brass, maybe kind of in an unofficial fashion. But I'd be really interested to know and explore – Peyton's mind in terms of what he could bring to an NFL franchise from a leadership position, because a, you just, you just listen to him speak. He does a great film analysis on ESPN, by the way, but you can just talk to him about football and he is one of the premier football minds ever, not to mention one of the top three quarterbacks ever. And you see what John Elway did with the Broncos. Um, he won a Super Bowl a few years ago. And John Elway went to Stanford. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, another really smart dude. And I think that Peyton Manning would be a really intriguing name to put into that president of football operations role. There's a couple other kind of unknown folks out there that, that might be a good fit but Peyton is is by far the most intriguing option now that John Elway you had me up until that comparison of when he joined the Broncos just strictly because I think of the list of quarterbacks that he has brought on since he's been um, overseeing the Broncos and it is rough like strictly thinking of the contract he gave Brock Osweiler and then just other than that, like Drew Locke might be okay. Maybe we don't know that for sure. But like, I'm just saying he, even though he was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, 
couldn't exactly or hasn't exactly been able to fix that problem. Think about John Lynch too. John Lynch has, has done a, a pretty darn good job. Now, sure, they're, they're not world beaters necessarily, but they made it to the Super Bowl last year, right? I, I would love to sniff a Super Bowl right now. And think about how many injuries that 49ers team has this year, and that defense is still playing really, really well. He got Kyle Shanahan to come. He picked the right coach. Uh, that's so, so important. I would, God, I would give a lot to have Kyle Shanahan as my coach right now. Gentlemen, what happens with the rest of the season? Last week we talked about win loss. You know, I guess my question is, are, are there some decisions that are being made about next season or is Matt Nagy trying to save his job? What, what is the, what is the bears organization thinking about these last five games? I think they're pretty happy that they have, don't they have Jackson and Detroit, Jacksonville and Detroit on the schedule. So that they're probably looking forward to that a little bit. I mean, they do seem to show up for those games. I mean, it, if they're not at the big boy table with a team like the Packers, they can, I think, compete with teams like Jacksonville and Detroit. It's a great question. I mean, are they just trying to save face? Are guys trying to get some film, you know, so that if they're going to get poached by other teams, they show up good on film. You know, uh, I, I, I remember when we were really bad, like really bad, we'd be getting beat like, you know, 50 to nothing. And all I would do in the huddle, if I was, you know, the offensive coordinator, I would say, and I, you know, you guys, if you were in the huddle with me as adults, you would know how funny this would be, but I would, I would say, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's go out and let's try to get a first down. Let's just make that a goal. Right. I mean, just small baby steps. If we get a first down, maybe we'll, we're down like 50, right? If we get a first down, maybe we can roll that into another first down. And, you know, the kids, are, they're sweet, and they, they kind of will buy into that, and off you go. I'm not saying that would, by any stretch of the imagination, work with the Bears, but I'm just trying to think of any positive. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't honestly know what the positives are. I honestly actually could picture a situation of, at this point, Matt Nagy being like, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to go into the huddle when Mitch is there right before a series. And I'm going to go, Hey Mitch, let's get a first down here. And maybe Mitch would be like, Oh yes, that sounds wonderful, Matt. That sounds like Tony Dungy during the broadcast last night. I don't know if you, if you heard some of those like sympathy uh, comments that he had about Mitchell Trubisky, but it was at first, it was uh, kind of endearing and, and kind of nice, but then it just kept going into this just sad, sympathy uh, kind of grandma voice that you do, Logan. I have, uh, I have two unpopular opinions for our unpopular opinion of the week. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm going to start with this first one. The Bears need to start trading big-name players away. There are three names on this list the players, the only players on this list that I would say are absolutely, you have to keep these three players, Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith, Akeem Hicks, every other player on this team. And yes, that includes Cleo Mack, I think could and should be traded away. Thoughts, gentlemen. Why do you want to keep Akeem Hicks? He's only under contract uh, through 2022 and he's never been. 2021. So next year is I, his I last. Yeah, next year is his last. Him and Fuller both. I looked it up. 
Be- because you see how much of an impactor impact he makes on the the, the defense. He's but if that you're gonna good. go, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna start selling pieces, sell your best pieces. Sell Mac. Sell Hicks. Sell Fuller. Sell Jackson. Get rid of it all. I mean, if you're gonna go that route, go that route. Next unpopular opinion. I would love to see the Chicago Bears sign Mitch Trubisky to a one-year contract and get rid of Nick Foles. I'm so sick of hearing about this. No, 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 no. Listen to what I said. One-year contract. I don't want a long-term deal. I mean as next year's quarterback, as they're grooming somebody along or whatever it's being, because this, this, uh, this team is going to – it's called unpopular opinion for a reason. If you guys could see How their much? faces. How much are you going to pay him, Ryan? I've a, a mill. I have no idea what he would take, you know, for a one year, for a one year deal. All I'm saying is Nick Foles, contract is awful. It's almost as bad as Nick Foles as a quarterback. That We're not has, getting rid of him. We're not getting rid of Nick oh, in 2021. God. It's that, that money is guaranteed, isn't it? He is terrible. That's what I'm saying is trade him away for a seventh round draft pick. I don't care. Nick Foles. I understand, right? He was an MVP, right? Super Bowl. I, I I'm done. I'm done with him. He's a high class guy. He's a high character guy. He's, he's, he's a good quarterback. No, he's not. He's not a good quarterback. He's had a couple really good games at opportune times, which is why people keep talking about him. I never want to see that. That guy throw a pass for the Chicago Bears ever again. Jeez, I never want to see dangle. Mitch. Go ahead. No, go. I just want. Like, no, I. I, I mean, Mitch. See if Ryan's I, okay. Yeah, I know he just got fired up, which I love. Uh, Mitch, maybe he'll be like the pixie dust spread around the tilt a whirl or barking for the yak lady next year. I mean, maybe, and he'll find his niche. If I never have to watch him throw a deep ball six yards out of bounds again for the rest of my life. I will have lived a fulfilled and happy life. What did he have? He had three fumbles and two interceptions yesterday, I believe. I mean, listen, we know they're both terrible and you're right. It is an unpopular opinion. I don't know who's going to be their quarterback, but that experiment needs to just go. I mean, the guy in his fourth year is thrown into triple coverage in his fourth year. He's Throwing into triple coverage. And what does Nagy say? Well, we knew we were taking a shot there. You see, okay. that, that, Jack, that's the only, one where I, the only one where I give him a pass is because Nagy essentially said, chuck it deep. Just go for it. Just, just, just throw it deep to see what happens. Now, the, the, the second interception where he's throwing into triple coverage, then you go, why? It's just there, there are moments, and I wrote about this on the Bear Down Report podcast, right, is that he has flashes. He has these moments where you go, okay, all right, I can see why. Nick Foles has no flash, right? He has none whatsoever. I'm sick of people talking about, like every time I look online and then people talk about him as this Super Bowl MVP, he had a good game. He had two good games. We're watching the, the same guy that got benched in St. Louis, right? And they got rid of him. That's the guy that we're watching. We're not watching the Super Bowl MVP, and I'm so sick of it. I don't want to see that dude at quarterback ever again. It's just sad. I mean, if you, if you just back out for a moment, you know, I mean, it's just really sad that we're having this conversation. I mean, right? I mean, the, the fact that we are mired in a discussion about these two guys who are both seemingly really good guys, we're not talking about them personally, but in terms of their football skills, 
especially after watching Aaron Rodgers last night, especially after three consecutive touchdowns on three consecutive drives, especially him being a smug Hall of Fame. What did, uh, I believe, uh, Pagano call him like, uh, you know, an artist. He called him like a Picasso, you know, and he's right. And, and I think we're basically watching two guys who can barely like finger paint you know, in kindergarten, they're just like smudging the paint all around the canvas and, you know, nobody really knows what it is that they're drawing. But yeah, I mean, again, I think if you look at it from a larger perspective to some of our earlier discussions, it's really unfortunate that this is the discussion that we're having in Chicago because a franchise team starts with a franchise quarterback. And I know you're just saying, what are we going to do for next year? But, yes, thank you, Jack. Thank you. We, that, 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 that's really my point. And I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize for that. But I just, I need to make this clear because I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for this on Twitter and Facebook and everything else. I, I don't want Mitch Trubisky to be the Bears quarterback long term. But what I'm saying is that if we have a rookie that comes in next year, he's not going to be ready to play right away. They're not going to bring in Dak Prescott. They don't have the money for that. So what is your option? Nick Foles or, or some other you know, quarterback that, that, that is looking for a, a, an opportunity after a failed opportunity somewhere else, I'd rather take Mitch. I, I, and again, I understand it's unpopular opinion. That's why it's called unpopular opinion. I just think that it's a moot point because once Mitch Shubisky hits being a free agent, he's the one who's saying no to a contract first, not the Bears because Mitch needs to go somewhere else if he wants any shot at getting an NFL paycheck for the next five, six years. And he, God well knows that it's not Chicago anymore. So it's just, that's to me, it's a moot point because it's just not going to happen. Even though your points are correct, Ryan, you're very handsome and smart. (laughs) Thanks, Uncle Logan. I appreciate that. All right, folks. For Mike Page, Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, I'm Ryan Dengel. This is the Bear Down Report podcast. Folks, we want to say it a few more times. Thank you. Thank you for reading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of the comments. At this point of the season, we want to know. Please send us a message. Let us know what are the things that you want us to cover for the rest of this god-awful 2020 season. What are the things that we can talk about that will get you to keep reading and keep listening? As always, my friends, please bear down.